I would like to share a word with you this morning. There's not any sort of kind of uh, in-depth, uh, great teaching or anything. We'll be starting a new series of messages uh, on into February. In fact, I've got all sorts of things stirring in my spirit for this year. Good things. Uh, you know, God's speaking all the time. And, and for the last while, God's been speaking to me about the word uh, for, for us here today at the beginning of the year. And uh, the title of today's message is Plain Towards Your God-Given Potential. Plain Towards Your God-Given Potential. You know, it is the beginning of the year, and uh, many people do make New Year's resolutions towards a better life and towards a brighter future. And by the way, that's a good thing to do. It's good to have an assessment, to do a bit of a checkup uh, in regards to how things are going and what we can do uh, to live a better life. And if you haven't got an outline in your hand, just raise up your hand and the ushers are going to get you one. Um, and so when we plan for our future, uh, it's important that we take into consideration and that we're mindful in regards to our God-given potential. Because we don't want to plan into this direction when God has gifted us for that direction. All right. So uh, what is our God-given potential? Um, and the word potential is an interesting word. And just before we launch out into all sorts of other things, let me, let me give you a couple of definitions for the word potential so that we all know what we're talking about. The word potential means unrealized possibilities. In other words, there are possibilities there, but they haven't been realized yet. They haven't manifested yet. They, they're not in our lives. It's possible, but it hasn't happened yet. That means potential. Then secondly, potential means that there are dormant qualities or abilities that could be developed to lead to future success and fruitfulness. And uh, it's amazing how... Um, People can have something dormant in their lives and not know it's, it's sitting there until they discover it and start developing it. <laughs> I was sharing, we had a minister's meeting here um, towards the end of last year and I was, uh, I was sharing a, a devotion with them, which is what we normally do when we come together, we worship God, we pray together, we have a great time of fellowship, but we share some, some devotion to encourage us uh, because there are leaders and, you know, leaders need encouragement too. How many know that leaders need encouragement too? And, uh, hint, hint, and... Uh, <laughs> Just encouraging them uh, about a new thing that I have uh, ventured into uh, when I got beyond the 60-year barrier. Uh, I turned 60 years last year, and very shortly I'll be crossing over into 61. So it just means that I'm now in the second half of my life. That's all that means. And I was encouraging them in the area of, uh, you know, physical fitness, and uh, I told them that I'd started running. I've never run in my whole life, uh, but when I turned 60, uh, through some encouragement from a good friend of ours, I thought, I'm going to get into this. So I told these guys, I says, listen, I'm looking around. I says, I can probably outrun every Every single one of you. I'm now nearly 61 years old, and some of these guys are younger than me. I can probably outrun the whole lot of you. I'm faster than most of you. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> sort of, I wasn't trying to rub it in, I was just trying to encourage them. Uh, and uh, so, anyway, so. Um, it's a newfound thing. Uh, I've slackened up a little bit in, uh, in, um, in my time off now. I've slackened up a little bit. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to pick myself up again. I'm not going to beat myself up. I will just pick myself up. You know, people beat themselves up. That's counterproductive. You need to 
pick yourself up. Um, and so there we go. I hadn't planned to go there, but uh, I'm just talking to you about dormant qualities and abilities. Who would have ever known that there was a dormant ability in my life to be able to run? And uh, I'm actually aiming for some things, and I'll let you know uh, what that will be once I'm a bit closer. Praise God. So you don't want to put too many specifics out, otherwise people will try to hold you to it. And uh, So anyway, so <laughs> dormant abilities and qualities. And here, the very popular... Uh, let me start again. The word potential, the last definition here, it means capable of being or becoming, but not yet in existence. It's capable of it, but it's, it, hasn't, it hasn't been brought out yet. It's in there, but it hasn't been brought out. And that's what we are talking about here this morning. There's great potential still to be realized in every single one. Friend, you're not maxed out yet, let me tell you. You're not maxed out yet. There's much more in you that needs to be brought out. And part of today's message is to encourage you to step out into something fresh and into something new uh, and have a better life as a result of it. I want to read to you from Matthew's Gospel. Uh, and this is just to put some scriptural context to what we're discussing here today. Uh, in fact, the reality is if it's not in the Word, we're really not all that interested uh, because in the end, only God's Word is uh, applied, will work in our lives. We're not after fancy ideas. Uh, but though it's good to put some thoughts out there so that we can grab some things and run with it. As I said, in regards to this running idea, you know, my good friend, Pastor Bernie McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Everybody say McLaughlin. <laughs> McLaughlin, the good Scots uh, name. Uh, he says you should be running. And, and uh, was, I thought that was the weirdest idea when he first said that. Uh, weirdest idea. But you know what? He kept at it and I kept on thinking about it. And you know, the, sometimes the first thing when we hear we reject an idea, but God brings it back to us again. And so, so you know, sometimes there's just God, just uh, God's patient with us. And so if somebody said to you don't, and you've written it off, just have another look. Have another look. Uh, think about it. Don't be too quick to to write something off because God may be stirring your heart towards something fresh and towards something new. So here in Matthew's gospel, Jesus is now being revealed as the Messiah. He's now 30 years old. He's been baptized in the river Jordan by John the Baptist, and he's now getting ready to call his disciples. And he called the initial 12, and of course then people started to follow him. He called a further 70 later on, and then there were thousands of people that followed him. And Jesus is still calling people today. Nothing much has changed. He's still calling people. But here's what it says in verse 18 of Matthew's gospel, chapter 4. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. There was like, like, bang, just a quick response. Like, all right, we will follow Jesus. You know, we won't be thinking about this thing for the next five years. We will follow Jesus now. And that's what they did. Um, and going on from, from there, verse 21, Jesus saw two other brothers, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, and they were mending their nets. 
And of course, they were fishing with nets, uh, which is uh, still commonly done today. Uh, after catching some fish, there was some damage, so they were just fixing their nets before they go out the next day to cast the nets back out again. And the Bible says here that Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And uh, what you and I need to realize is that Jesus didn't call the initial 12 disciples for who they were at the time, but who they could become. Jesus saw the potential in these guys. And as I say, I mean, they were not the be-all and end-all. I mean, they were just the initial 12 that God used to kind of launch the church and to launch his kingdom into the earth. And he's been calling men and women and children ever since. But he saw their God-given potential. So he called them to himself because he wanted to unlock their potential. And there is an unlocking. And sometimes the people that we hang out with will either lock up potential or help to unlock it. So it's important that we spend time with the right people. Uh, And in this instance, Jesus says, you guys come with me. And he didn't say it so many words, but I'm going to unlock the potential in your life. And I will help you to fulfill your God-given destiny. Because God's got a destiny for every single one of us. But sadly, not everybody gets to their destiny. not everybody, uh, you know, fires on all cylinders, so to speak. You know, in the old days when we used to fine-tune our own cars, you know, you got four-cylinder cars and then you had eight-cylinder cars. And, uh, you know, we used to have a saying where, say, a four-cylinder car is limping along on four-cylinder cars, limping along on three cylinders. Uh, and we kind of, you know, changed the spark plug and, and we changed the timing. How do you guys remember the old timing guns uh, Am I the only one that remembers? Some of us remember it. The old timing guns. You know, you sort of plug one end into the spark plug end and another one into some, hook it up to the battery. And then you shine it down to the, in the crankshaft, this thing runs around. And, and this is just a little mechanical lesson now. You don't need it today because these things are automatically, uh, they're now digitally run. But back then it was all sort of uh, mechanically. And, and then you put a little mark on that crankshaft uh, disc and, and, and usually use something like white out and you shine this gun down and then and then um, you unloosen the uh was it the alternate and you, you turn this thing so you get the timing just right and, and it's a little bit like that we need to look at our lives and if we're limping along on, six, on three cylinders if they're four but actually the reality is we're all V8s I mean at least we all, we all got at least eight cylinders and, uh, but if there's only three or four of them functioning there's uh, capacity sitting there that's not being used there's kind of you know, potential there that's not being used and uh, for me I like Big cars, I like big engines, I like grunt there. And when I put my foot down, I want this thing to go. I don't like it limping along. I've had weak cars years ago, and I don't want another one because it's a frustrating experience when you're struggling along along the road. You're trying to overtake somebody, and uh, I had one car. It's like, oh, gosh, you know, this is like, uh, this is not enjoyable. You know, I sort of, I get it, the timing, you have to get the timing just right. I get up behind somebody, and I'm right on their tail, and Vanessa says, don't tailgate the people. I said, if I'm not right behind them, when their passing lane comes, I will never get past them. So I'm like right behind them. Here's the passing lane, on with the indicator, foot's already down on the floor, and I'm bringing this thing out, and I come alongside, I come alongside, and then I'm alongside, and then we go up the hill and then I'm, I'm sliding back. Oh, yeah. oh, this is like, this is almost as bad as hell. You know, it's like, uh, 
gosh, anyway, let's not minimize how bad hell is. Sorry, I shouldn't be doing that. But anyway, what we're saying here is I got rid of that one and, uh, and then I got another one. And I just like, uh, you know, that when everything is fine-tuned and, and when everything is functioning, God wants to fine-tune our lives. And, and sometimes we don't recognize what's happening, but God, God gets into our lives and he directs us and he to do this, do that, and let the, that go and unload some extra weight. Uh, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets and, and run the race with patience. Jesus says in Hebrews uh, is it chapter 13, uh, lay down these things that hold you back and you'll be able to run faster, you'll be able to run much more efficiently, and you'll be able to fulfill your destiny. Interesting. In John chapter 4, uh, chapter 1, rather, verse 41, it tells us that Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus. So Andrew was obviously, you know, first called. And so, so Andrew grabs his brother Simon and he says, uh, he says, he brought him to Jesus. And uh, Jesus says to, to Simon, he says, he says, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. And he says, your name shall be Cephas from here on forwards. Now, it's a bit confusing there because you get English translation of uh, part of which is Greek and part of it is Aramaic and some of these names there. But, you know, Cephas, and uh, in the Greek, it's Petros. And, uh, and from that, we get the name uh, Peter, uh, Petros, Peter. And the word Petros means rock. And uh, there's an interesting thing here that Jesus, and Jesus doesn't do that with everybody, but in this instance, he changed the guy's name to indicate that he was going to turn him into a rock-solid leader uh, that was absolutely stable because Peter was quite a volatile sort of a guy, a bit of a jumpy sort of a fella, and in parts quite fearful, and he became a bold and courageous leader. That was the potential in him. And sometimes people just put up with fear in their lives. I'm just a fearful person that just who I am, but Jesus is here to get the fear out of your life and to put the courage into you so you can fulfill your potential. And so he changed, he changed his, uh, his name to kind of indicate that. It says, Peter, by the time I'm finished with you, uh, you're not going to be a fearful, jumpy, volatile, emotive person with your feelings all over the place, but you're going to be a rock-solid guy. And absolutely, Peter ended up being the leader in the early church, a guy that you could depend on. A guy that had now developed his character. He still had his personality, but he now had a character that had some depth to it. And, uh, and Jesus indicated that by changing his name. Praise God. I was going to say something else along these lines. Uh, uh, but let me just say that, uh, that the name change is not as important as the change of getting certain things out of our lives and other things into our lives because the potential is there to unlock, to unlock. Um, and uh, a little bit further on, the uh, Bible says that Philip, um, that Jesus called another man by the name of Philip. Philip, one of the 12 disciples. The Bible says there that Philip found Nathanael. Nathanael was also one of the 12 disciples. And he said to Nathanael, Nathanael, one of his mates, I guess, guess what? He said, guess what? We found, we found the man that Moses spoke about in the Lord, that the Messiah was going to come. We found him. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. And, uh, and Nathanael says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, 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 and Philip says, well, come and see. Come and check it out. Come and see. 
You see, Nathaniel was just getting ready to shut down something powerful that God wanted to do in his life, but, but, but he responded. He responded. And this is the other thing that I was going to say regarding Peter before, that the word Simon means hear or having heard. And the word Peter means rock. And Jesus indicated by saying to Peter, uh, to Simon, Simon, because you heard my call and you obeyed and you followed me, I'm going to turn you from a fearful, chumpy sort of a guy into a rock-solid leader. And it's amazing how when you watch people's lives, when they stay with the program and they just stay with it and they don't get tossed out of the race, so to speak, and get sidetracked into silly and into crazy things. And you look at them again some years later and people are just different people. Uh, And praise God for that because Jesus does that in our lives. He calls us to himself um, to change our lives. And so here is Nathaniel and Philip says, well, come and check it out. And, And so so here comes Nathaniel, and, um, and as Nathaniel comes towards Jesus, this is not any sort of deep theology I know, but here's the deal. Jesus looked at him, and he says, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. And Nathaniel says, oh, he says, how do you know me? How do you know me? And uh, Jesus says, Nathaniel? He says, before, Simon, before Philip called you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. And he says, oh, he says, you're the Messiah. He says, you're the son of God. It's like suddenly dawn on him, like there's something supernatural going on here. And, and, and Jesus said to him, look, he says, you, you're going to see greater things than that. You're amazed because I know you, because I saw you sitting under the fig trees. You see, you see, God gave Jesus, the, the Father gave Jesus a word of knowledge to, to show him um, uh, Nathaniel sitting under the fig tree, which is not uncommon in that part of the world. They had big fig trees and they were sitting under there to relax and to, to have their, I don't know, their, their discussions and what have you. But he says, before Philip called you, I saw you sitting under your fig tree. And like, the guy is amazed. He's like, wow, that's amazing. And, and, and he suddenly recognized that Jesus was indeed the Messiah that he was getting ready to reject earlier on. Say, so, oh, Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, but now he realizes, oh man, this is the real deal. And Jesus says, you're going to see greater things than this. See, when Jesus calls us to him, when we hear and obey, in fact, Simon, the word Simon actually means hear and obey. When we hear and obey Jesus and start following him, it is from that moment that potential begins to get unlocked. Uh, and it gets unlocked. And, but then God, you know, sometimes people get into a bit of a rut. And when people are in a rut, you've got to do something different. You've got to just get out of the rut and do something fresh and do something different to break into something fresh and into something new. So here is Peter, he had his name changed, and here's Nathaniel, um, and he was like amazed. And uh, see, Jesus knew, this is an interesting point, Jesus knew that Nathaniel was a good man. He was a good man. There's no falsehood in this man. There's no guile. He's not a gossip. He doesn't speak bad about other people. He, he, no guile, no deceit. He, he, he's not a shifty sort of a guy. Nathaniel was a good guy. But by himself, he still was not able to fulfill his potential. It's only until he came to Jesus, when we respond to that call and we come to Jesus, that it is from that moment forward that things will begin to get unlocked. And uh, 
we're able to fulfill our God-given destiny. Sometimes people only think about, you know, from birth to death, uh, but we've got a whole eternity to plan for. Spending eternity in the right place, the potential is there for everybody to get to heaven, but ultimately only those who accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives and continue to walk with him will actually in the end get there. The potential is there for everybody. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, not just for yours and mine. All right. But in the end, to get uh, for that potential to be realized, we've got to follow Jesus. I swing over into Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And here is a, a scripture that deals with potential to a major extent. Um, it says here, and this is in the Amplified Translation, um, it says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, or born anew, that we may do those things which God has predestined or planned beforehand for us, taking the paths which he has prepared ahead of time. You know, it's an interesting thing, but we had a speaker sometime last year suggest that God's got no plan for us. But right here tells us the very opposite. God's absolutely got a plan for us. God's planned our lives beforehand. It's a broad plan, I understand. But you know, that's why we don't make, we don't make uh, you know, quick and rash decisions in a moment of frustration and change something major. We've got, we got to pray about it. Say, God, is this in keeping with your plan and your potential for my life? I remember when I was in, the, in Austria, and it's funny how, you know, certain parts of certain sermons and messages to stick. There was this man there, and he was preaching, and I guess Austrian culture, and Austrian, he grew up in the country, in fact, he was my neighbor, uh, and he's preaching there, and uh, in the country there, it's not uncommon for the workers to go out into the field, I mean, nowadays it's all done by machines, but uh, back then, you know, there was quite a, a group of people going out to, to harvest, you know, grains, or harvest potatoes, or harvest, you know, just grass, turn it into hay, and what have you. Not uncommon for, for uh, uh, you know, the, the workers to go out early and then later on the boss uh, would sort of disappear for a while and he'd come back again. He'd bring out some food for the workers and lay down in a particular field where he knew they were going to work their way around. And this man was preaching and was kind of, uh, it was kind of colloquial, using colloquial terms, which I fully understood. And he says, you know, it's a, the deal is when you go out and suddenly you can't find your lunch, Maybe you're in the wrong field. <laughs> you could be in the wrong field. Because the boss has laid out the lunch for you. Over here, he knows that you're supposed to start over here and work your way around. And at a certain time, you get to this place and, and there's lunch waiting for you. And they'll have some, uh, you know, they'll have these jugs and they'll have some cider there. And, and they'll have, gosh, they have all sorts of things to eat. Because when you're working hard on the field, you need a lot of food so you don't uh, run out of energy. But he's suggesting, is that, look, if you haven't found your lunch yet, maybe you're in the wrong field. And people just bounce in and out of fields all the time, trying to find their lunch. Just stay with God's program. <laughs> stay with the program. Don't make silly decisions. Don't make decisions in a moment of frustration and, and make a flesh decision that will dog you for the rest of your life. It's like, you know, Sarah, Abraham's, Wife made a flesh decision because she couldn't have children. Oh, why don't you take my servant girl? That'll be all right. 
And we've had the Arab-Israeli conflict ever since. It's gone on for thousands of years because somebody made a flesh decision. Dr. Theo wrote a book called The Price of a Decision. And sometimes certain decisions you can unwork and get back out of, but certain decisions can't be undone. So don't make flippant decisions. And don't flip in and out of fields and in and out of places and what have you. Just stay with the program. Stay with the program. Everybody all right this morning. So in the middle of this uh, scripture, we got sidetracked into other things, but I'll, I'll carry on. He says, taking the paths which, we ha- which he has prepared ahead of time. We're still in Ephesians 2 uh, verse 10, that we should walk in them. You see, God wants us to walk in a certain path. God says, this is the way, walk in. Don't walk over there, walk over here. This is, the, this is the church for you. Don't just fl- flip in and out and, and, and make it sound spiritual that God's leading you. Just stay with the program. You know, you can't deceive some people, but uh, it's like uh, I've seen people that bounce around like forever and a half, and then you look at their lives 15 years later, and nothing has changed. At least if people make good decisions, there's progress. There is, but sometimes nothing has changed. And uh, it's because people have this pseudo-spirituality rather than being rock solid and just, just don't get overly excited about having to do something, something, something new every other week. You know, just stay with the program. Uh, we'll touch on that a bit more later on, but it's carrying on here. It says that we should walk in them, living the good life that he has prepared or prearranged and made ready for us to live. You see, God's plan for you and for me is to live the good life. The good life. All right? The good life. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And so, my friend, if we're all burned down and we're all worrying about this and all worrying about that, we've taken on things that we're not supposed to take on. Not take on other people's problems, not take on what other people have said about us. Sometimes at a certain stage, you've got to just develop a thick skin. And, you know, we keep a tender heart, we develop a a thick skin and say, look, we can't please everybody. Um, But, uh, you know, it was at Winston Churchill that one day said, he says, you got enemies? He says, good. He says, you've obviously decided to stand up for something. But if you don't stand up for anything, you've probably got no enemies either because you're just like, you know, just flowing with everything that goes. But sometimes you've got to make a stand. Stand up for what's right. Here in the scripture, there's a certain sequence of fulfilling our God-given potential that's kind of spelled out. And of course, the first one we've talked about before, it's follow Jesus. Start to follow Jesus. Begin to follow him and become born again, or what in this instance they call born anew. Born again, born anew, converted, it's all the same thing. Accepting Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Confessing uh, Jesus with our mouth and believing in our heart, as Peter has mentioned earlier on, it's number one. Then number two, begin to do those good works that God has planned beforehand. Start to do good works. Uh, We start to serve God. We, we start to serve other people. We, we, we start, if we haven't already got one, we start a life of serving. Um, 
And then number three, begin to take the paths that he has prepared ahead of time. So, so the onus is on me now to, to figure out what, where those paths are and where that field is where God wants me to serve in. You know, Vanessa and I, uh, many years ago, we were young, and we're still young today, I'll let you know. We were young, and we traveled from south to north, and we were on our way. Well, I was on my way to Taupo. Uh, that's where I was going. And... Uh, and then in Taupo, uh, I, I just like the idea of having the mountain for skiing, you've got the lake for fishing, you've got rivers there, you've got the outdoors, and I quite like that. And, uh, and there's not that many people, or they weren't back then, and I'm on my way to Taupo. And we came to Wellington, and we stayed with a friend of ours, and some of you have heard the story before, we were kind of praying and say, you know, God, what, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? And, and so forth. And, but I already had my mind made up, but somehow things didn't come together. I nearly jumped out of my field into the wrong field and would not have found lunch. Uh, <laughs> it's like don't find lunch when you're in the wrong field. Um, and if the provision is not, something is wrong, so we need to kind of own up and say, okay, Lord, I, I, I got ahead of you. I, I, I headed off in this direction when you told me to be over here. And so anyway, we were on our way somewhere and God kind of arrested us. And in the end, uh, we kind of said, okay, well, it's, 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 it's time to, to stay here. So we, so we got into this local church and we came uh, into, into submission to the leadership there and we started to do those good works that the Bible talks about. And we still had a job, you know, still you know, started to get a job and, and so forth. And we just carried on doing what, what we knew to do. And next minute we were in Bible college and, and next minute we were called and we thought we were going to be called to the world. We're like, we're going to be traveling all, all, all sorts of different places. And God says, no, 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 Wellington is what I've called you to. And uh, I was headed to Taupo, you see. Taupo was my field, but I'm glad I'm not there because there would be no lunch for me up in Taupo. There's only lunch for me in Wellington. Uh, it's, uh, you know, if God suddenly does something different, which would highly surprise me, then, then, then I follow God. But, you know, I have no need to... to, to bounce around because I just stay with the program. Whatever, you know, God called us to do and God doesn't, if God changes his mind, he will let me know. So, <laughs> so that's the sequence. It says live the good life. Live the good life uh, that God has planned for us beforehand. Is it a life of, of, uh, of no problems? No, 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 there will be some problems. Uh, <laughs> we're still in an imperfect world. We still work with imperfect people, and we're still a work in progress ourselves, all right? So we need to anticipate uh, that there are some challenges. But if there's nothing but problems, we need to ask ourselves whether we're in the wrong field. Um, we headed out somebody. We got ahead of God or God, God said and we didn't move. So the question to ask is, how good is God's plan and, and, and how strong is his potential in our lives? That's a question to ask. And we're still in Ephesians and I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 because that's a good scripture. <laughs> in fact, it's all good, but this always blesses me when I read it. It says, now to him, speaking about God, who, in consequence of the action of God's power that is at work within us, he's able to carry out his purpose and do, a, do super abundantly, far over and above, that we may decide or dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayer, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. Now, of course, it goes on from there, and for time's sake, we can't carry on. But let me say this, that this is a potential scripture. If ever there is potential, it's right here. 
You see, when we connect with God through Jesus Christ and allow him to lead us and guide us by his spirit, if we start living our life by the word, not by our own ideas and philosophies, but by the word. We start doing what the word says. Uh, then there is a, an unlocking and there is a, an, an uncovering of a super abundant deal that God does in our lives. And God says that it goes beyond what you're able to dream, what you're able to desire what you're able to pray about God's able to take us beyond the potential is there for beyond I remember I was in a prayer meeting some years ago um, and we were praying about something about something that was huge and big and it was like oh gosh how is that ever going to happen you know and then when you know the problem or the challenge or the need is suddenly so big it's like you got to do something so I looked at this scripture and God gave me a revelation and I came away from there and you know this is and, I, and I've started to pray a prayer and this is an unusual prayer I know it's unconventional but it is it is scriptural nevertheless. And the prayer is this. The prayer, is, and it's in your outline. Lord, I have an expectation that you will exceed my expectation. Lord, I have an expectation that wherever my expectation takes me to, that Lord, you're able to take me beyond. Uh, and in all reality, when we set our expectation, we ought to be reasonably realistic, but it's got to have a faith aspect to it. It's got to have a, a supernatural aspect to it that, uh, that God is able to bring to pass if we work with him and stay with him and do what the word says and allow him to lead us by his spirit and stay with the program. Um, so that's the prayer. Lord, I have an expectation that you will exceed my expectation. I came away from that. Like, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. God's just uncapped something in my life. I was nearly, I was nearly overwhelmed by the need and by the challenge that we were facing at the time. And I came away from there. In fact, I remember talking to somebody, you know, about that same thing. And, 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 and I said to that person, I said, look, right now, I've just come out of the prayer meeting. Right now, my mindset is that anything's possible. As in, it's possible. We can, we can fix this thing. We can, this thing can get sorted out. It, it can be solved. The problem is not that big because God's always bigger. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we could be a bit stumped. You know, here's a word, uh, stumped, uh, <laughs> a bit stifled. But God's wisdom can flow into our heart the very next moment as we pray and reach out to him. And here is the solution. And friend, let me tell you, that the problems that we'll be facing in the year 2018 cannot be solved with wisdom from a couple of years ago because life will only become more complex for people. The challenges are going to get bigger. I'm sorry, I haven't got good news for you as far as the world is concerned. The world is going down the gurgler and we are still in the world, but we are not of it. But God gives us the wisdom and God gives us the provision. He's always got lunch laid up for us. And I'm reminded of the words that King David spoke when he was old, uh, having, you know, followed God all of his life. He says, once I was young, now I'm I my old. He says, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging for bread. So he's saying like, uh, you know, God's people are not going to be begging. You do what the word says and you apply yourself and you develop your gifts and your talents and, and, and put in a good day's work and wherever you're at or you study or, or you know, whatever you do, wherever, whatever stage in life that you're in, then you will not be begging for bread. Once I was young, 
now I'm old. David said, I've got a whole lifetime of experience. Has he seen big people begging? Absolutely. But he says, God's seed will not be begging for bread. So don't limit yourself with small thinking. Let God expand your vision and your dream. Don't limit yourself. Here in Psalm 78, the whole psalm is a recollection of the history of Israel from the time that God brought them out of Egypt, you know, with plans of taking them into the promised land. The potential was there for them to be out of there and in three weeks be in the promised land and enjoy all the good land that God had laid up for them. And, uh, and so there's a whole journey there where it's all laid out here in Psalm 78. And it says here that, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. I know about you, but the first time when I read this, when I heard preaching on this, I thought, gosh, I don't want to be limiting God. It's actually possible that we limit God in our lives. Now, God's still almighty. You know, God, God is still almighty. His power is unlimited. But what's coming to pass in our lives can be limited by you and can be limited by me. And these guys did exactly that. So, so let's learn a lesson from the wrong example that Israel had said. What was going to be a journey of three weeks turned into 40 years. And all those guys, 20 years and older, all died out because they limited God. And God says, I'm going to start with a new generation. And it's all pretty strong and all pretty sad, really. But they limited God. How, how did they limit God? Well, we can limit God in a number of ways. But one of the things, and again, we had time to swing into Psalm uh, 78 and read some of the scriptures earlier on. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can God do it? Kind of tempting God, testing God. Of course God can do it, but they said they couldn't. God had a plan to take them on, and some of them said, oh, let's go back again. You know, it's an interesting thing, and Jesus said some strong things, and here's one of them. He says, whoever puts his hand to the plow in terms of the kingdom of God, and whoever is saved and looks back into his old life and desires aspect of that and thinking of, of going back, he says, that person is not fit for the kingdom of God. There's only one way, my friend, and that's forward and onwards. Nothing to go back to. <laughs> Are we all right this morning? I was going to encourage you, and next minute it gets all heavy and strong, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, there you go. I haven't listened to your messages yet, but I will, because I know I'll be encouraged by it. Praise God. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them, from the enemy. When Vanessa and I came through Wellington and we had some money there to move us on and in the end we realized that uh, we, we couldn't move on and we had this deal and we were somehow leaning on this money and we decided, you know what, we've got to give this thing away. In fact, that was, uh, part of it was a deposit for a, a house that we were going to buy and God moved on us and gave this whole thing away. So we gave the whole lot away. And, uh, and, and that's not to say that God will lead us every time to do that, but just give it away. And God says, you wait on me. And we prayed and we prayed. And somehow, it's like we're down to the wire now. 
we're down to the wire now. Unless he's pregnant, I haven't got a job. And, and we're down to the wire now. We're staying with a friend of ours. He's gracious to let us stay there. And, you know, still a good mate today. Um, but we're down to the wire. Well, I tell you what, within a couple of days, like... Everything just happened so quickly. Uh, and, and, and we were now trusting in God. We weren't trusting in the money to move us forward. We were now trusting in God. And it's amazing how fast God moved. And when we removed certain things in our lives that were just a hindrance at that point, uh, then uh, it, it was just amazing how God moved. So they did not remember his power. You see, when God delivered them from Egypt... They didn't remember their power when they came to the next challenges. You see, when Vanessa and I are at times or have been down to the wire, we remember that God's come through for us before and God will come through again. Now, we're not flippant with things. I tell you, we're not flippant with things at all. We don't make flippant decisions. We don't make rash decisions. We don't do impulse buying. We don't spend our money in all directions. We're very, we're very diligent with what we do. And so, therefore, we can expect that God will come through on our behalf. Now, if I make nothing but dumb decisions all the way and I'm expecting God to bail me out again and again and again, you know, after a while, God wants us to learn some wisdom. But we remember how God came through for us and suddenly, and and it's just, and suddenly it's all done. It's like, wow, how did that work? But they did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy, when he worked his signs in Egypt, and his wonders in the field of Zoan. The field of Zoan was the place where Pharaoh had his residence and his palace. And God worked amazing signs in this place. But when they came out, they came to some water that was better. What did they do? They complained. They murmured. In fact, if we had time, and we haven't, but if we had time today, in fact, we've got all the time in the world, but we haven't today. Uh, if we had time, we would swing into 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the Bible tells us about five sins that kept the people out of the promised land. Five sins. One of them is sexual immorality. The other one is idolatry. And one of them uh, was tempting Christ. And how did they tempt Christ? They tempted the Christ, and this is not in the outline, but they tempted the Christ by saying, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Can God fix this? You see, they said, we loathe this food, uh, this manna that comes down from heaven. We loathe it. We, want, we remember the, the, the cucumbers and the garlic that we ate and the onions. We remember that. Uh, and, uh, and then we want some meat. So God brought some meat uh, into the camp and loads of it. They're knee-deep uh, standing in quail, like quail. God brought in quail, like knee-deep. It's incredible. Uh, but they said, can God set a table in the wilderness? Friends, let's not make that mistake by saying, oh, boy, this is too hard for God. It's not too hard for God. God can set a table in the wilderness. God can bring forth provision uh, in, in a snap. God can bring forth miraculous healing in a snap. It's, it's, like, it's like, see, the holdup is not with God. The holdup is with us. We can limit God. Um, how do we limit God? Well, we limit God by small thinking. We limit God with negative confession, saying the wrong thing continually. We limit God with no or a low expectation. God has raised your expectation. We limit God by a fear of failure. People say, well, what if I step out? What if I get into Bible college and I get to the exams and what if I fail? Well, 
even if you did, you're still further down the track at that point than what you were before. So don't let fear limit you. Uh, don't let fear of failure paralyze you because the next point, and this is like there's just some things that people limit uh, God, but one of those is inactivity, just not doing anything, not, not prepared to step out because it might, it might not work out. And gosh, uh, you know, when we did, did different things along the way, it's like there's many things that could have not worked out and some things didn't, but, but you know, the things that God led us to do have worked out. <laughs> and praise God, you just, you just don't limit God. Don't limit him. Um, let him change you and continue to change you. Some of us have walked with God um, for some years now. But you know, I know, I speak for me, I haven't arrived. I mean, God's done amazing things, but I haven't arrived. And this year, 2018, there's some great potential that I'm expecting that God will unlock in my life. Let me read to you a quote here from Pope John uh, the 23rd. Pope John was uh, elected the Pope the year after I was born. Um, I was born in 1957. Now, I know some of you think I'm a fossil, but I tell you, I'm only a young fella. <laughs> 1957, Pope John uh, the 23rd was elected into office uh, of, you know, being the head of the Catholic Church in 1958, and he died in 1963, 1964. He's quite a smart man, a very clever man, as a lot of these guys are. These, they're, they are highly intelligent uh, guys, and, you know, some got a better, better heart than others. But anyway, this guy said this, and I really like it. He says, consult not your fears but your hopes and your dreams. Think not about your frustrations, but about your unfulfilled potential. Now, I don't know if this isn't wisdom, then what is it? He, he says, concern yourself not with what you've tried and failed in, but with what is still possible for you to do. I don't know about you, but that lifts my spirit and, and that excites me. It's like, wow, consult not your fears. Don't, don't negotiate with fear. Don't negotiate with the devil. Um, and, and, and don't think about your failures. Think about your potential. The reality is that most people that have got to uh, a perceived area of, of, of success, whatever that looks like for different people, uh, whether that's wealth or whether that's this state or the other or fame or something, a, lo a lot of them have failed numerous times in a number of areas, but in the end, because they stayed with the program, they broke through. But the reality is that there is such a thing as false success. You know, how, what, what does that look like? Well, false success is when somebody becomes immensely rich but loses their health and loses their family in the process. Gaining one thing but losing other things. Uh, so, you know, we're not after false success. God is a holistic God. God wants us to do well, spirit, soul, and body. He wants us to do well in our relationships. God wants us to do well all around. Here's a quote from Winston Churchill, and we are winding down. Uh, we'll be finished uh, shortly, but I make no promises. Um, <laughs> He says, Winston Churchill, how do you know Winston Churchill? Winston Churchill, statesman, prime minister of, uh, of Britain, British prime minister on two occasions, uh, first during the Second World War and then uh, on again in the, in the 50s. Uh, Winston was quite a guy, like an amazing guy. Um, he was part of the First World War. In fact, he fought in the, in the army in the, in the bottom part of Africa, so he was a very seasoned man, and then he became a politician, a statesman, and in fact, he was the one that, uh, like, single-handedly, as it were, opposed Hitler when other people had caved in and, 
and when the previous uh, prime minister, was it Neville Chamberlain, had sort of uh, had some sort of uh, appeasement deal going, Winston said, no, he says, we will not appease. He says, we're going to stand up. So anyway, here's what Winston uh, Churchill said. He says, continuous effort, not strength or intelligence, is the key to unlocking our potential. Continuous effort. Because sometimes people say, well, I'm not as clever as other people. I'm not as intelligent. You know, I haven't got a degree. and I haven't got this and I haven't got that. Listen, it's continuous effort and you'll still get there. It's an amazing thing. But I've, I've talked to people. I've talked to people that, uh, that have, have got an incredible success in their lives. And some of them can't even spell a word. I mean, they, they, they're not even, you know, like, <laughs> you know, spelling. It's not everybody's strength. And sometimes people can't even talk properly but yet they got incredible success in their lives because they haven't let some of their impairments and some of their hindrances hinder them from moving into potential that God had for them. Um, and uh, <clears throat> um, here is a quote by Lynn Davis. Now, Lynn Davis uh, was a British athlete. Um, he won the Olympics in the track and field uh, competition, specifically long jump was his thing. He was just very good at that. Uh, and he won the Olympics. He won the gold. So he's obviously got some things to say about success and getting to, to potential. Uh, have you know that all of us has got the potential to do amazing things physically, but you know, not everybody's going to do it. You just got to pick yourself up somewhere. And Anyway, this is a whole other story. But here's what Lynn said. And by the way, he's a bloke, all right? Uh, he's a guy. He says, it's perseverance. Perseverance, that's the key. It's persevering for long enough to achieve your potential. This is stay with the program, he says. Don't, don't get discouraged and give up. He says, just don't give up. In fact, that's the next quote here. I've got a few quotes here. Winston Churchill, he says, never, never, never give up. You know, it's said that Winston Churchill went back to his old school, he quite liked going there, and he gave speeches, uh, sometimes 20 minutes, to rally the, you know, the students and to encourage them. And, then, and he was actually quite a, an orator. Uh, and because he spoke out of a wealth of experience, he wasn't a young upstart, he was actually quite a seasoned man. And uh, when Britain faced annihilation from Hitler Germany at the time, where Poland's, uh, Czechoslovakia had already fallen, Poland had already fallen, like Hitler is just, you know, overrunning the continent, and here's Britain over here and, uh, and he says never give in to force never give in to force don't, don't give in to intimidation he says we will fight them in the streets and he says we will fight them on the beaches it's just a, quite a uh, rally cry that he was able to rally people and uh, praise God uh, for somebody that stood up to the tyranny uh, of that day and of that time and Frank God counts on you and on me to stand up to tyranny as we see it Stand up to the wrongs and to the, to the injustices. Whether that's standing up for the unborn children. Whether that's standing up for the, the, the old or the infirm by that wicked law that they're trying to pass through Parliament right now by David Seymour. I told you during our election talk that he's a dangerous man. Um, and it is to be stopped in his tracks. Uh, that whole euthanasia bill is a wicked bill. In fact, there are some flyers out there from Family First. I'd encourage you to avail yourself of some of that knowledge there and put in a submission because if we get this law in, New Zealand's not going to be the same again. So we need to stand up to tyranny and do wrongs. Quickly now, John Lowe's Dean said this. 
He says, I want to challenge you today to get out of your comfort zone. You have so much incredible potential on the inside. God has put gifts and talents in you that you probably don't even know anything about. It's there, but it's sitting dormant. It's there. It could be hidden over. It could be covered over by fear. It could be covered over by bad experiences from the past. It's like, you know, I can tell you when, when, when God called me to preach and I was like terrified, terrified. I mean terrified. You talk about fear? It's just a, just a whole thing of, of uh, fear. You know, they reckon the, public speak, the fear of public speaking is, is sometimes a bigger fear in people's lives than the fear of dying. People are more terrified of speaking publicly than what they are in, you know, of dying. And, and I had that fear. And then I had that other fear of uh, thinking, oh, gosh, and every Sunday you've got to be, bring something fresh and new. And I said, having nightmares about that. <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> you know, if I had given in to, to, to my fears, you know, you'd be in another field today because this field wouldn't exist. <laughs> okay. Anyway, some of you are more excited than others. So, <laughs> so Joel Osteen, that's what he said. Let me give you some potential action points. They're just potential. It's just to stimulate your thinking, okay? Uh, this is not a must-do, but uh, I'd encourage you in, in some of those areas. It says here, uh, sow a new seed. There is a great potential for a harvest. Sow a new seed. That seed could be a forgiveness towards somebody that's wronged you. That seed could be, you know, just being friendly towards somebody that you've been unfriendly towards because you've remembered what they've said or what they've done. Sow a new seed. That seed could be a financial seed that you're sowing towards a worthy cause. And by the way, most worthy causes are in the house. There's many worthy causes, but there are more worthy causes in the house than what there are outside of the house. Is it okay to say that? Um, and sow a financial seed uh, or, or, or sow a smile towards somebody that you've previously frowned at and just be friendly. There's a great potential for a new harvest because the Bible says whatever we sow, we shall also reap. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. So let's sow good things. Number two, strive towards an excellent attitude at all times. Have you know that it's easy to have an excellent attitude when everything goes well and everybody is nice and kind to us? Easy, easy. But when life gets a bit challenging and a bit difficult, it's when the true test comes, comes forth. You know, they say in, in the pottery area that you make a, a, a pot on the potter's wheel and then you shove it in that, uh, in that firing kiln and the pot looks perfect when it goes in, but if there is imperfections in there, like air bubbles or something, and I'm not a potter, but I know a little bit about you know, what I've read about it, they say this thing will ping and then it'll fall apart in the heat. And sometimes when people have fallen apart in the heat, it means that they were imperfect there that they were unprepared to deal with when it was times of peace. So friend, we deal with our character in times of peace so that in times of a challenge the excellent attitude shines through and comes forth. And I know some of you are more excited about my preaching than others. But here's the third point. Develop your gifts and talents. There's great potential for promotion. 
Find those gifts and develop them. You've got talents. There's certain things that you're very good at. Um, and there's other things. In fact, sometimes we, we don't even see the things that we're good at, but other people see it. So talk to people that love you and say, look, what, what is it that you see in my life? And what would you encourage uh, me to focus on, to, to do more of? And is there anything that you'd like me to do less of? Now, that's a bit of a challenging. Is there anything that you'd like me to do less of? Ooh, now we're really getting right down to the wire now. Well, I'm not, not sure if I want to ask that question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next one is develop a new skill. There's great potential for a better job. Develop a new skill. Start from scratch or just start to build on what you already know. Sometimes people have got a bit of a hobby that could turn into a whole new thing. And if you develop it and becomes a marketable skill, it could earn you a whole lot of money. Um, and it's not all about money, but sometimes God wants us to get ahead in the world and not be stuck and not be, you know, not be stuck in a rut. Uh, get some more education. There is a potential for a new career, doing something entirely fresh and new. Um, and here, here and this, was, this one is in bold because, because it, all these other things are important, but this is very important. Sign up for Bible college this year. There's a great potential for further spiritual growth. Because ultimately, the Bible says that uh, a man's, a man's uh, in fact, what's that, uh, that proverb? A man's uh, infirmity, uh, a man's strong spirit sustains him in infirmity. So in the end, your spiritual strength is actually the most important thing. But don't neglect your mental strength and your emotional strength and your physical strength. But really focus on your spiritual growth this year. And Bible college will be a part of that. Then here we go. Eat healthier food. There's a great potential for a healthier life. Everybody's a healthier. And a healthy life ought not to be a mystery. Eating healthy foods is part of that. Reject some of the tasty morsels that the food industry wants, uh, wants to put before you, where you need a science degree and a chemistry degree to read what's written on the back of the labels, where you've got nothing but names you can't pronounce and numbers that you haven't got a clue about. It's simple, he healthy foods and prepare your own. Don't let somebody do that work for you that God wants you and I to take care of ourselves. I mean, praise God for what we're able to buy. But, you know, somebody said once, if, you, if your grandmother wouldn't recognize it, don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> I thought that was a good bit of wisdom. So healthier food, there's a greater potential for a healthier life. And here we go, uh, second to last, uh, begin a new exercise regime. There's great potential for new fitness. Okay, for, for a fitter life. In fact, I had a look at that word, fitter, fitter. Um, fit, fitter, fittest. And I'm none the wiser now whether the word a fitter life would have been correct. Some of you might be able to help me out with that. Otherwise, I'll talk to Google and Google will tell me. Um, you know, Google does know some things, but in some, in some areas, Google is completely mixed up. <laughs> anyway, begin a new exercise regime. Uh, there's great potential for new fitness. Think only positive thoughts. There's great potential for a happier life. And this is the reality, friends. The happiest people on the earth are not the ones that haven't got problems. They just know how to handle them and how to conduct themselves in the middle of difficult situations. Think only healthy and positive thoughts. Uh, don't think 
thoughts of resentment because resentment will turn into bitterness. And the Bible says bitterness is like a root that many will be defiled by. Don't speak bad words about other people. Only speak good words. And anyway, I'm sort of uh, coming on the runway now. I'm trying to slow down now because like, uh, like uh, I want to get to the end of this. I did say earlier on that I make no promises, but we're actually doing very well time-wise. So I trust that you've been encouraged today. Let's just uh, allow the Spirit of God to to solidify some of these things uh, uh, that we have spoken about here this morning. Some of those action points could be absolutely like, wow, this is like, this is the word of the Lord for me. You know, I might jump over point three or five or seven, but this is the word of the Lord for me. And don't discount things too early and too quickly. You know, when when Nathaniel said to Philip, oh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, it's, it's like, he says, come and see, check it out. Come and try but be, be, be a possibility thinker. You know, Robert Schuller, uh, who built that cathedral, uh, that crystal cathedral in Los Angeles there in Anaheim, uh, and reaching out to the Hollywood film stars and celebrities there, he was known for his message of being a possibility thinker. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, God wants to take us beyond where we are today. Just bow your heads for a moment and close your eyes and just allow the Spirit of God to move on your heart now and to solidify and to bring, you know, you won't remember everything that you've heard today and I won't either. We've done a lot of talking, but there's aspects in there that God wants to say like, this is it. This is the word of the law for you today. Uh, the word of the law for you for this year. Um, and, 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 and it could be just as simple as like, you know, some of you are doing really well in a number of areas, you know, spiritually, but you, some of you need to do something physically. Uh, uh, you need to do something fresh and new. You know, they say that uh, they talk about the silent killers, uh, and I'm not here to scare you today, but the reality is that there is a lot of unhealthy Christians, and a lot of it is because they make bad decisions when it comes to, you know, eating uh, all the rubbish and then not exercising. And, you know, they reckon when people... Uh, sometimes drop dead. The first symptom that they know that something is wrong, it's already too late. They're already dead. And I'm not here to scare you, but friend, do something fresh. Do something new. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right. Maintain a positive mindset. Don't let the devil uh, just dump stuff in there. And, and don't let other people dump on you. Just be careful who you listen to. Don't lend your ear to everybody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Is that practical enough for everybody? Praise God. I'm here to encourage you today, friend. I'm not here to give you a hard time. We've got a whole year ahead of us. There's plenty of discouragement in the world, so let's encourage each other. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and my sisters. I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every family that is represented here today. Moms, dads, the kids, aunties, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews. Let there be a fresh invasion of your spirit into every family. Let there be a fresh revelation in every heart. Lord, let this word today not just be information, let it become revelation that we've got a whole year ahead of us this year of doing fantastic things for God to step out beyond ourselves, uh, to spend time with the right people, doing the right thing, walking on the right path, where God, you says, this is the way, walk ye in it.